Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. So we are going to, yes, look at Matthew 28, 16 through 20. I will reference 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2 along the way as well. And the foundations of discipleship is what we're going to talk about. It's not the only one, but this is critical and key to who we are to be and what we are to do. And so I'm going to read it. If you guys can stand with me, please. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father, I pray that as we get into your word, you would calm our hearts, open our eyes, give us understanding, Soften our hearts that we would receive the word so that through it and by it we may grow. Father, may the power of your Holy Spirit continue to enable and empower us to live out this word every day. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. This portion of the last chapter of Matthew, and Matthew draws his book, to his gospel, to a close, not with an ascension, as we get in Luke, but with a commission. But this text starts off with a contrast, and I want us to see this before I get into the points that I have for today. It actually starts off with a contrast. Now, and could also be said, but the 11 went to Galilee. It's interesting because if you go to the section before, verses 11 through 15, This was a section in which people went out of deception and went out of a lie. Well, what do I mean? It is when Jesus was resurrected, some of the guards came and told them what happened. And those that were there, the leaders, Pharisees and them said, we don't want this to get out that he was resurrected. I love this, how man tries to stop what God has done, is doing and will do. Impossible. But they tried. Give them an A for effort. An F for foolishness. But they said, and we see here, look, look, here's what I want you to do. We're going to give you some money. We want you to go and you are to tell them, tell people his disciples came by night, verse 13, and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. 
In verse 15, so they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. And of course, the this day was to the writing of this that Matthew had. And you see here that in the face of this deception and this lie to cover up what God had done, look at what he still has. He still, I love this remnant picture here. He still has a small group that he will cause to do something that in part has us sitting here today. And the issue is, regardless of what man tries, and here, at a superior level, I'm talking about they had the money to throw at the lie, they had the resources, they had the influence, they had the authority. Can I just tell you right now, please don't let what the world is doing and tries to do cause you not to, however small it seems, not to do what Jesus is calling you to do. Because what I see here is I see the religious elite. I see the governor's office. I see security. I see military influence all saying it didn't happen. But I see Jesus going, that's okay, y'all. Go ahead and roll with that if you want. I'm going to get my little group and we're going to change the world. I want us to see that because many times we get <clears throat> we get intimidated by we get intimidated by large influence, by great opposition. We get intimidated by money and by status or by numbers. There are more against us than for us. And I wanted to throw that in there as we look at discipleship. It may not seem like anything is happening, but if you are doing it God's way, what he wants to happen will happen. And here, God never called. I had a brother say this one time at a men's meeting that we had back in our church. In Europe, he said, God never called us to be successful. He said, we will be successful, but he called us to be faithful. He called us to be obedient. Why is that? Because faithfulness and obedience leads to success in God's eyes. Because how many people thought that Jesus was successful? Initially. And then what we see here is, of course, he was successful. He did what the Father wanted him to do. And today we still sit here having been saved, having been rescued, having been redeemed, and now we're on mission. Was it a success? Yes. By man's standard early on? No. And so for you and I, that I want us to see and to understand that this whole issue of faithfulness and obedience will pay off if it is done God's way. And so now we look at it. And so he says, so they went and they told this story. Now we get started. Now the 11. And I want to start this with Madhu P's this morning so you can remember the priority, the priority of discipleship. It's the first part, the priority of discipleship. Now the 11. And that should make you think, though, because there used to be 12. Now the 11. 
I love this. God goes on with who goes with him. God goes on with whoever goes with him. I've said to several people, Judas is one of the saddest stories to me in, in, in all of Scripture. One of the saddest stories. Why? Because you spent three plus intimate years face to face with God in the flesh, and he wasn't enough. You needed something else. You need more. And he had a level of intimacy such that when he came up to Jesus and kissed him, which that would be the sign that he is the one, he looked and says to him, Judas, do you portray me in essence with a sign of intimacy and friendship? Do you portray me with a kiss? But he said, go back here. So now the 11, now the 11. Went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Do you see the contrast? Go back to verse 15. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And then you see in verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed. And I love this, that the very people, I mean, the the the. The one whom they were lying and manipulating and saying that he really didn't resurrect. And they listened to them and their direction. That very man himself was given directions. The priority of discipleship. Jesus is at the center of it. And Jesus is the one who starts it. Jesus is the one that initiated it. And we have to remember that. When you get tired, this was initiated by Jesus. When it doesn't seem like discipleship is going well, it was initiated by Jesus. But here's what I love. It says that they were directed to go there. And we know from the other guys, we know at the and um, going back up to verse 7, that, that the angel told the women, go and tell them, his disciples, go and tell them that he has risen and to head on to Galilee to the mountain, to head to the mountain, and he will meet them there. I love this. They were giving that most basic priority that happens in discipleship, and that is obedience to the words of Christ. And that leads to part of the priority of discipleship. You must first be an obedient disciple. I didn't say a perfect one, meaning that you never fall, you never falter, but your heart is set. It's crazy to think that you and I can disciple someone else or help someone else to become a follower of Christ if we are not following him ourselves. What hypocrisy. And what they demonstrate here, even though we'll see this was not in this full perfected stage, they listened. Whether they wondered, doubted, didn't know what was going on, they listened. Why? Because they showed up. And for some of us right now, yeah, you may be confused. Yeah, you may not understand what's happening in this part of life for you. You may not. 
You may have some hurts and you may have some things that are clouding some of it, but you know what? You know that you've heard the word of God from the scriptures and you are going to live by it. That is the basic, that is the priority of discipleship is that you have to be one that is willing to listen to the word of God. The other priority that's in discipleship is that you are to be worshipers. It says that they went, obedience, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, there's debate over who the some was. Were the some part of the 11, or was there a greater crowd that was there in, um, in addition to the 11? And there's arguments for both, I know that, and I'm not going to get into that right now, but the issue was there were some of the people who were around and who were standing there that still had some concerns, but they were there. And even if it was among the 11, they worshipped him. They were worshipers. They were people that were leaning in and tuning into who Jesus is, worshiping him. Understand, if in your heart Jesus is not being worshipped, he is not one in whom you adore. He is not the centerpiece of your affection. It is going to affect you being a disciple. And, of course, then, discipling others. I love the song that our brother sung this morning. Thank you so much for that. You know, we are prone to wander. We are prone to go off course. We are. If you don't think you are, you don't know yourself that well. We're tempted on every end to get off course and to look at other places and to not have Jesus as our focus. And what he's saying to us is they worship eyes on him, affection on him. The priority of discipleship. Recognizing that Jesus is to be at the center, recognizing that Jesus is to be worshipped, even if your faith may not be perfect. In other words, you may have some doubts. My brother Cletus spoke to us two weeks ago about that, about this dealing with doubt or belief in doubt. And this issue was that you may have some and I like what he said about doubting Thomas. No, he wasn't doubting Thomas. He was just Thomas. And the fact that we do that as well, as people that have been around now have, have been saved by Christ, rescued, sometimes we doubt, but you bring those, God can handle them. But as I've said to someone one time, you can bring your doubts, but please, when God begins to reveal who he is, be honest with what you see and hear. Don't push it off. The priority of discipleship. The next one is the power of discipleship. He says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
like this, all authority on heaven and earth. What he was telling them, he says, look, all those, some of the restrictions at the time, it wasn't yet time. Some of the things that he, um, uh, uh, some of the things that he had not done in front of them because his time was, had, had not yet come. Now he has completed and finished and he says, all authority on heaven and earth is mine. So he's saying that he didn't have it before. No, he, I finished what the Lord had required and had wanted and what had needed to be done. And now I stand here with all authority, period. Here's what I like to, I'm not hiding from those that are, I mean, I'm not, I'm not seeking to, to, to move out because I mean, he was hiding. I'm not, I'm not here to, to remove myself from, from the crowd like he did at times because they were seeking to kill him. I love this fact that it's almost, no, he's not saying this, but let him try. Been there, done that, resurrected from it. See, the issue is he is standing there as the resurrected Christ saying, in essence, it is finished and I have all authority. As a result of having that authority and the power that's there, look at what he says now. As a result, I'm sending you out. As a result of authority, he could have talked about what that authority meant and got into conversation about that, how much authority he had over. No, he just said, because I have all authority, here's the consequence, here's the implication of it. Go, or as you are going, because you're leaving here. Here's how I want you to be. See, I love that the power of discipleship rests in the one in whom we worship. The power of discipleship doesn't rest in your slickness, doesn't rest in how, in, in how cool you are. It doesn't rest in how. This one. There you go. Bitch. It doesn't rest in how connected you are. It doesn't rest in love it. He says they were obedient to Christ, showed up where he was going to be, worshiped him when he got there, and now he tells them all power is mine. I am sending you out. Discipleship, the power comes from you. And he says, because of that, go, therefore, and make disciples. And this is the process. This is, and what we'll see, the command was to go and make disciples. I know we preach the gospel, and I know that, 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 um, that we evangelize, and we must. Who can be a part of the process of them becoming students and learners obediently following Christ? Just because a person prayed to receive Christ, doesn't mean that you walk away from them. Just, I mean, I, 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 look, just as much as when a baby is born, we don't walk away from him or her. That's called abandonment. 
in our society. That a child is born, oh, they're born. Give them some clothes and be on your way. I'll see you when you turn into an adult. But yet that's what we do many times with new believers in the faith. Oh, we get excited. Oh, they prayed to receive Christ. Yes. And for some people, that's the last time they hear or see you. That process just started. There's some making to do. And in the making, I love that, it, 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 it implies closeness. It implies being hands-on. It implies some modeling. It implies some interacting. The power of discipleship, which leads into the practice of discipleship. Turn with me real quick. Keep your finger there and turn with me to 2 Timothy because we see it played out. We see it played out in many instances, but we see it. One of the instances is right here in 2 Timothy. Paul, of course, is encouraging and talking to Timothy, who is involved and going to be even more greatly involved in pastoral ministry. As he says, verse 1, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Do you see the process and the practice? Well, where did he get that from? Hmm. It's interesting. Go back to Matthew. Jesus gets ready to tell them what would be involved in discipleship. Make disciples of whom all nations, and I love this, this small group, this small group of Jewish folk with what they saw as this traveling Jewish rabbi would now turn into a global mission movement that would change the world. Don't think because it's small, it's ineffective. Just be faithful. Whatever it is, just be faithful. Some of you, God is calling you to ministry involvement, and you think, oh, it's too small. Oh, what can I do? Oh, it's not much. Oh, there's not a whole lot of support. Just be faithful. And watch how the Lord changes that. So he says to them, <clears throat> make disciples of all nations. What's a part of that process and practice baptizing them in the name. Notice he didn't say in the names. In the name of the Father and Son and of the Holy Spirit. Reference, of course, into the Trinity and really the triuneness of God, which in Christ the fullness of the Godhead dwell bodily. And so you see this here is that he is saying baptizing them and then teaching them. And we see in the early church, baptism was always a part. There was never a time when baptism wasn't a part of that. And so that's a public identification that when these people come to Christ, when they want to identify with Christ, they publicly identify with him and what he has done through baptism. It is 
It is, no, it doesn't save them. It just demonstrates what's been done. And then after that, he says, then it's teaching them what's involved in the practice of discipleship teaching. You must have the word of God. If the word of God is not involved, discipleship is not happening. And teaching doesn't mean just from up here, guys. For some of you, the teaching is small group. It's one-on-one. It's your time with individuals. It's your time with your families. It's your time with friends. But the word of God is central to it. If we are going to be worshipers of Christ, obedient to his word, that means, one, we are in the word for ourselves. Two, we have a priority of teaching the word of God to others because that's what they're going to grow in Christ by. So he says to them, understand real well, teaching them, and I love this, to obey all that I have commanded you. And this gets rid of choosing, cherry picking our favorite text. Teaching all of scripture. That part that you like, you know, you got on your wall, your promise box maybe. You got all your stuff that you pull out? Please make sure it's in context. But then he says, even the ones that you don't and the ones that point to your sin and the ones that reveals your heart, the ones that shows you how you've come forward and the ones that shows you what you're hiding. He says, teaching them all things that I've commanded you. And we know the spirit of the Lord would bring it back to them. And, and, and we have in God's word what we are needing to be taught. And so that which we need to teach others, this wasn't some random thing. Think of whatever you want. Go out and teach them whatever feels good to you. No. God says there is a wholeness to this word. And today more than ever. Message from last week. What is keeping you from from following Jesus. Sometimes that word is pointing to some areas, boy, that is blocking you big time. And you want to disregard it. And as a matter of fact, you have people and friends sometimes in the world that says, it, it doesn't take all that. Yes, it does. It takes all of that because it takes all of you. And so the practice of discipleship teaching them to observe and that observe means to look upon and with the intent it is to repeat replicate follow it do it when we think observing you just oh yeah i see that Mm-mm. it's like my mother used to say i would she would she would say something and i would say i know and you knew what was coming after that All of you who've used that phrase. Well, if you know, why aren't you doing anything? That's what she would say to me. She said, yeah, you know, but you're not doing anything. In other words, there's been no change. So do you really know? Oh, you might mentally give agreement to it. You might have some assenting to what you're hearing. But to know it is to embrace it and to cause it to change who you are. I'll tell you right now, 
if I said to some of us, don't go out that door, there is someone waiting to take out whomever comes out those center doors, go out this one, and you say, I know, and you keep walking toward that door, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Everyone will line up out this door because your knowing changes behavior. And so for us, he says, teaching them to observe, not just to give mental assent. And then lastly, it is the promise. It is the promise of discipleship. He says, and behold, he says, and look, look, pay close attention. Look, look, hear this. Listen, listen. I am with you. I love this. He doesn't say, I will be with you. I am with you always. And here is that nod to those beyond those 11. He didn't say, I am with you until the end of your life. Because then it would be directed just to that group. He says, I am with you, and it's a collective you, to the end of the age. He's talking about to the end of time, to the end of this system. I love that. Number one is going to end. But number two, I'm going to be with you all the way to, the, to that end. Whomever the you is that are disciples who are making disciples, who are making disciples, I am with you. I am present. You have the power of God always to be a disciple and to make disciples. And so he says to you and I, that's your mission that is the commission. We know that is called the great commission. It is the commandment of God sending out, but he sends us all out. This is not for the church professionals. Oh, those pastors, those elders, those deacons, those ministry leaders, whomever you are, know it's for every person who claims the name of Christ. He sends you out. Where is he sending you to? For some of us, it's our home and our jobs and our neighborhoods. For others, it may be specific places that he's sending you or specific, or specific kinds of ministries. For some of you, it's right here within the body of believers and in the fellowship to make disciples. But for many of us, we're going, yeah, those are those people over there. Missions Month, we talk about all those people who God sent. No, that's all of us. And wherever you go, God is looking for you to be a disciple maker. Because you are a disciple. So what's it going to be? That foundation is set for us to follow. Jesus laid it out, and he causes us to follow his lead. What is it going to be for you and I? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that today, Lord, we had a chance to see the example of a brother, Lord, who went out and you were sending him, loving and caring on those. And we know also that he shared the gospel because it was important to him. Father, but I also know that he wanted to love and care for people the way you would have. 
And Father, he is one example. And yet, Lord, all of us here can do whatever you have called us to do, however we are to be with whomever we are to be. Father, I pray that you would help us. Lord, help us to go because you have all power. We are obedient to you and we worship you. And in your power, help us to, as we go, to make disciples, Lord. Let that be our heart's passion, not a program. Let it be our focus and our perspective, Lord, not something we do at church. Let it be a lifestyle. And as we go, as we get into this more and more throughout this year, show us who we are and how we are to be in light of who you are. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. We ask you this in Christ's name. Amen.